Hello, and welcome to Game Masters Under Dark, where three Game Masters get together to answer your questions about running tabletop RPGs. My name is Will, and I am one of your GMs for tonight. We are doing these videos to help answer questions that can be found in the r slash DM Academy subreddit, but we will be answering questions that we get after each video and subsequent videos, so please leave your questions below. Now, me personally, I've been GMing for about six months, so I'm very new like many of the people asking the questions we will be reviewing. I started as a player in one of our other GM's homebrew campaigns before deciding to start running my own games. I'm most familiar with the current 5e D&D system. I haven't really messed too much with any of the other ones, but I'm poking around a little bit in 3.5. Uh, my favorite part, though, of running games is the comedy that can ensue when the group shoots from the hip instead of, you know, making a plan. Uh, but enough about me. Let's introduce our other GMs. Matt? Hello, everybody. I'm uh, Matt. Uh, something that I'm good at is uh, I'm more of a nuts and bolts guy. I really like to work with different systems and mine the system for all it's worth because I think that there should not be a separation between the story that you're telling and the mechanics as a medium to tell that story. They should be helping each other, not getting in the way of each other. Uh, when it comes to my experience, I've been playing and running games for about eight years now. Uh, I have a pretty decent mix of 2nd edition, 3.5, 4th edition, and 5th edition of D&D. Uh, I've also dabbled in some other role-playing games. Just some of those include Pathfinder, GURPS, Rifts, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Call of Cthulhu, the Star Wars role-playing game, A Song of Ice and Fire, Champions, The Hero System, Gamma World, Starfinder, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles role-playing game, Cyberpunk 2013, Vampire the Masquerade, as well as other World of Darkness games, Dragon Ball Z, the anime adventure game, The Burning Wheel, Savage Worlds, Zvinehander, and other various indie games and homebrew games that I and my friends have made. Uh, how I got into role-playing games is the man that's going to introduce himself after I finish. And uh, my favorite part when it comes to just all tabletop role-playing games in general is just being able to tell stories with my friends. I feel like that's the best way to enjoy stories is not only with your friends, but being able to actually take part in the story that's happening. And with that, I'll send it to our next DM. That was beautiful. Thank you. So, hola, my name is Matt as well. I'm a storyteller. I like weaving together plots. Uh, that's my specialty. That being said, I'm very loose goose, chocolate mousse when it comes to comes to rules. Sometimes I just ignore them all together. I'm a story person. Uh, I've been a DM for about 10 years. I run a lot of homebrew, uh, <laughs> homebrew story, homebrew rules. I, sometimes I'd add in things while I'm playing, but I mainly base it off of a lot of fifth edition. That tends to be my source, something I go back to. Um, fifth edition, Dungeons and Dragons. I got into Dungeons and Dragons because a pretty girl asked me if I wanted to be a halfling and I said, yes. Then I went, what's that? <laughs> My favorite part of tabletop RPGs is just the collaborative stories that we get to share. I like what Matt said. That's right. where I get it from. 
<laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. And thank you guys, if you're still here. Um, so the way this works, I've already mentioned that we mine a lot of these questions from the r slash DM Academy subreddit. Uh, we like this source simply because it's a lot of new DMs like myself who often have these questions and may not have the resources like I do of two very experienced DMs to, uh, to ask these questions to. Uh, so, you know, we will continue to, to go there and look for questions. And like I said, answer any of your questions, uh, that might come up in the comments section. Uh, so without further ado, gentlemen, let's begin with our first question. All right. So the first question comes from care underscore 96 and their question, uh, the title of their question was players don't interact with NPCs. Uh, so their question starts with, I would like to preface this, that both my players and I are new to D&D and we've only played about seven to eight sessions. We're all new to role-playing as well. I've introduced a handful of NPC characters to the party with the intention to help drive the plot forward or give players valuable information that they may need. However, my player's immediate reactions is to distrust the NPC, not to want to talk to them, and sometimes just want to kill them and loot their body. Uh, what can I do to get the players to come out of their shell more and get them to interact with my NPCs more? Uh, so that's the first question. Sounds very uh, much like they have a, a group of murder hobos on their hands. Um, not uncommon for new players. Uh, but uh, what do you guys think? How do you think you, you know, some good ways to get them to interact with the NPCs? Matt, do you want to go Should first? I go first? I'll go first. I love npcs i create tons of npcs but the, like the special part for npcs when it comes to me is making each one have a story in the world and having like a motivation like yeah they run a shop but like why did they run a shop is it just simply their passion like are they really passionate about it or like are they just maybe trying to save money to move somewhere else and like they always should have some sort of motivation that being said each one of my NPCs has like a subplot to it. There's always going to be a story when you just keep talking to them and talking to them. Now the question says, how do I get them to talk to them? And sometimes in this case, you just have to give them all the hints to be like, something's a little off here, or maybe this guy wants to talk to me. And that being said, like maybe have the NPCs uh, be a little cold to them sometimes, or uh, just kind of, push them to the right direction to where like, why is this guy being kind of rude to me right now? Why is he, why is he withholding information that I can tell? It's very obvious. Um. So, well, when it comes to conversations, striking up a conversation sort of works both ways. It doesn't always have to be the players initiating the conversation first. If an NPC needs help because I don't know, their son fell down the well or something, they could run up to the, in, uh, to the PCs themselves and they could strike up the conversation. They could come up to them and being like, hey, you all look like capable adventurers. You're wearing armor. You have a sword. It looks like you're some sort of wizard or spellcaster. My son's in the well. Like, I need help. So you don't always have to put the pressure, especially on new players, but it also sounds like you're a new uh, DM. Uh, so that's why you're asking the question. And it's okay to ask questions. Um, you can definitely have the NPCs strike up the conversation first. 
Now, when it comes to players being hesitant about the NPCs and distrusting them, I only really see that in two groups of people. The first group is new players, like what you said, when they've come from a lot of video game backgrounds where it's sort of built into the story for the video game characters to betray them and stuff like that. So they're all very hesitant about that. Or veteran players that have been playing for, you know, 15, 20 years where they've just had a DM that just enjoys screwing them over every opportunity that they get when they start to trust an NPC. Uh, For new players and the way how I tried to do it at first is almost every single NPC that they meet, at least the ones that aren't actively trying to kill them, it's okay to sort of pitch them a softball and just make all of them friendly and helpful. So they won't get that sort of like constantly having to look over their shoulder, constantly distrusting people. If you can just normalize like these people are helpful and they want to help me and they will help me. So that way in the long run, when you finally do feel like that, you have enough confidence to pull it off and your players are comfortable with the NPCs that makes how far they fall when you pull that rug out from underneath them and actually do have an NPC betray them. It hurts that much more because it feels a lot more personal if they've met 15 kind people and one of them has been kind to them as well. So they're like, Oh, all of these people are my friends when they all of a sudden get a knife in the back it hurts a little bit more, but it, that's the kind of pain that's okay. But probably just like <laughs> a once in every other adventure thing to pull something like that. Um, yeah, and it kind of goes with like uh, just setting. Like before you even introduce an NPC, you should describe the setting. Like if it seems like a shady place where you distrust people that distrust is already set there like you've created that distrust um but if it seems like a place where everybody's just it's just like a marketplace if you make it like real life you just go into target and like why would you just trust the clerk there you know unless she gave you a reason there really shouldn't be so the the last point that i want to hit on This is one question, but there's a lot of points in this question that I feel like all need to be addressed separately. Uh, Like Will said, the murder hobo aspect of it. Um, The best thing to do, and the thing that quickly gets the message across is real-world consequences for doing stuff like that. If you are a new group of people and you run into a town and murder somebody selling bread because you think they're shifty, the guards are going to intervene. You're going to be seen as bad guys. You're going to be seen as raiders or bandits or villains of the setting. Uh, You could, even if you escape, you could not be allowed in that town anymore. A family member of a person that you killed or just a friend could swear to take revenge on you. You could get bounties put on your head. You could have entire good religious organizations dedicated to hunting you down if you killed like a priest of Palor or something. 
So as a very D and D specific example, <laughs> but you have to show them that when you act like a bad guy and do bad things, bad things are going to happen to you if you're not at powerful enough to essentially take on a whole town. And it's you're okay to say no. Jail. Like if if you're if your players really want to go down that route and like mess up. An NPC village that you were like, you know what, these are decent people. <laughs> uh, if they really want to be like that, then you just have to say, it. especially if that's not the game you're playing. Yeah, yeah and, and I will say, if uh, to give the new DM perspective, I specifically remember asking both of you this question because uh, for me, uh, the one thing I did kind of leave out earlier is I do the pre-written adventures. Uh, for me as a new DM, uh, we're not going to get into the minutia of it, but I think it's easier depending on the ones you run because it gives you a lot of structure, you know, a, a way to see the way a lot of campaigns can be run for, you know, you can build off of that later. Um, and I, I just specifically remember, well, the book says this, how do I get you guys to talk to them? And, you know, sometimes that information is left out and I'd like, uh, I like the way some of these responses from the subreddit were. Um, and if I'm going to go ahead and read two of them right now, just because I really like these answers to the question. Uh, the first one comes from, uh, I think it's supposed to be the Lord lore. Uh, they give two perspectives in game, have NPCs, give them jobs. Like somebody fell down a well, um, and build relationships over time. Maybe allow the players to hire the NPCs in turn. So, uh, Matt, that builds off of your example of my, you know, my kid fell down the well, and but maybe the person that asked you was a blacksmith and now he's willing to give you guys uh early game maybe say like a, a plus one weapon or something like uh that i recently took in um the the mat above me's game is a trident of warning something that acts much like uh, frodo's weapon in the hobbit where it just kind of tells me when danger is close by well for an adventuring party when you're out in the wilderness that's that's handy you know, you don't, I don't necessarily need to do more damage. I need to know if there's even danger around because then I can prepare the rest of the party. So, you know, if you help a blacksmith, they can give you access to those things. And that or, goes with uh, like giving items after doing like just a, a blacksmith's course, though it's not like main plot related or maybe world, but it just seems just kind of like a random act of kindness. Uh, giving them items like that will actually help dampen that distrust if they have it yeah and another thing and he there's a second part of this uh answer above uh above game ask why they feel they can't trust anyone uh tell them that not everyone is out to hurt them uh and he makes a point to reference this is definitely somebody with experience after seven sessions they probably aren't remotely important enough for most people to actually care about them beyond using them as blunt tools um that i i chuckle because that uh Gets into something as a DM, uh, what I think about is tiers of play between levels one to four. You're really nobodies in your area. Um, but that that makes sense in that regard. Uh, while that that is a blunt way to put the answer, it's also very true. At between levels one to four, you're you're even if you're in a village, like you could just be, oh, you're the the 16-year-olds that are just old enough to adventure. You guys haven't done anything. That being said, though, if you're 16 year old in the village, you at least know your neighbor. Yes, or do you? 
should damn well know your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> you should. But like you said, that also depends on the campaign you're running uh, and the setting. If you're in a big city and you grew up in the bad part of town, you might not know your neighbor. There's a, well, there's an idea, though, is like, mm-hmm. especially if, you, if you're starting in this city, if you're starting somewhere and your character's like, supposed to be from this place, it's a cool way to introduce or at least have players interact with NPCs is simply say, hey, your character knows this NPC. And then you tell, you ask the player, how do you know them? Who are they to you? And then that player gets to come up with their, that NPC's origin story. And then suddenly maybe it's like, oh, how do you know them? Oh, they were an assassin. And I saw them creep out the window and here they are selling bread. And this, and like, it's a fun thing, but also yeah. you just gave that, that, that NPC some history, maybe a little bit of motive, like now we're selling bread, what's going on? And now all the players at the table are like, yeah, we want to talk to this ex-assassin bread seller. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. And that kind of, um, in a way leads to another answer that I really liked, something that uh, we haven't necessarily touched on uh, from A20261 is, don't introduce NPCs. Let the party try to interact with the world and find their own NPCs. If they want to buy something, stay in an inn, get a weapon made, etc. Make them start an interaction. Yeah. They might they might ask you, the DM, where's the nearest blacksmith? Uh, but don't tell them, you know, two blocks down. Instead, say you are unfamiliar with this town. You'll have to ask around. Uh, they continue. Now they're actively looking for an NPC to interact with. Make them ask, are there any people around? And now you can give them a few choices. There's a beggar sitting across from the tavern. There's a young boy who appears to be running a delivery from the bakery. Looks like we're dealing a lot with bread tonight. Uh, and there is a watchman on patrol. So again, I like that because it works kind of into what you were saying, Matt, is even if you don't give them all that necessarily backstory and history, you're giving them the option of you need to find people to talk to if you were new in town what would you do where would you go and it's kind of cliche but it's cliche for a reason find a tavern <laughs> you know yeah. the bar bartenders and uh, a real life example barbers you know they tend to know a lot of things you go to the same people over and over you get to know them you build a relationship with them so finding those people that you can uh, have that with even in a role-playing game is uh is important that's the one thing i've learned as a new dm is uh to piggyback off of matt below me's answer is real world examples you know what would happen if you went to the same place over and over and over again what happens if you broke the law it might be a game but it's a role-playing game so if you role play getting in trouble you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> um, that's that's very much, you know, I think all the points are great and they all kind of, you know, round back to um, just making sure that your players know the expectation. I think that was something that's very important. Uh, Matt, you said, you know, make sure they know the setting. And I think that comes from something we're not going to get into tonight, but having that session zero and finding out what kind of game they want to play. Um I, you know, before we move to the next question, I will rag on myself a little. When I started a recent campaign, I started Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and I told everybody at the table, this is the campaign we're running, unless it did that. I gave no intro. Why are we playing this game? What is the story? And I didn't realize until three sessions in, and most people weren't role-playing. I couldn't figure out why. And I literally was like, 
I don't think I did this. And I gave, I found a video that had a pretty good, a pretty good introduction. I played it for the group. And I think since then we've had a pretty good, uh, a pretty good go of it. So yeah. setting that expectation up front, if you're, if you're the, you might want to have that high fantasy, cool, like let's kill dragons, save the, you know, the princess in the tower. But if your group's like, no, we just want to run around and be like assassins. Well, you might have to come up with a new game. <laughs> that being said, though, um, if you create a game and realize, oh, my players want this instead, and if you're okay with like changing a little bit of how you how you've already written things or how you premeditated certain things, um, and then uh, it's okay to like jump to what they want pretty fast like if they want to be like yeah we want to kill things just put it into the story like hey guys we need these things killed yeah <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and like if they are clearly like showing like murder hobo kind of vibes give them something something to actually murder her hobo and like make it a part of the story <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that's always uh that's always definitely an option i think a lot of it comes from uh again just how comfortable are you with it i know sometimes when you're new you get this idea of like this is what i want to run this is how it's going to go um i know you guys have gotten me on me about that when i'm like but what about this and you just are like no just let it happen you know take a deep breath and let it go sometimes, i think sometimes, when it comes when to like yeah. sorry when it i was gonna say when it comes to like pre-written games and stuff uh it's easy to fall into well this is what it says but like you, sh- you gotta look at it as like that's maybe what it says. But it, it most of that book's not gonna work for you, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> most of it's not gonna work. You gotta you gotta homebrew yeah. a lot of that story <laughs> still. Well, and, and there are times where even in a homebrew world, I remember a few sessions ago in your game where you were like, "I didn't think you guys were gonna kill this character, so I don't really have anything to do for the rest of the night." Guess what? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with you as a dm being like i don't have anything for this give me a week two weeks how you know however often you guys meet give give it some time you let it breathe as they say like when you open a bottle of wine just let it breathe for a minute and then regroup um, yeah and you'll think of something oh, like yeah. especially if you're coming up with things like well i, I run homebrew stuff mainly and so if it's homebrew, it's easy for me to just like, just be like, okay, though that happened, I can insert something else. I can have it, the story keep going because of such ripple in time that was created. Um, when it comes to like pre-written things, I would believe it'd still be pretty easy if they go off. Yeah, if they go off narrative, like, uh, let's, let's, let's just bring up a book real quick. Uh, Curse of Strahd. If they want to fight Strahd level one. They want to fight Strahd level one and they don't make it, just don't end the game. Just have Strahd run away. Like, if they go out of the narrative structure of your pre-written game, just, like, there's ways to to meander that course right back onto the right path. And just, mm-hmm. like, just don't take away the fun. Like, oh, you guys can't go fight Strahd? You guys can't go do it? You're gonna die. And they're like, well, we want to go fight. We want to die. Um, either like they have a cool way to kill them but like they come back I mean you're in a 
you're in a place where like there's undead people everywhere so like they could come back you'd be like you could play something like that or like like just have the main guy be like i don't want to even fight you because you're level one <laughs> yep and another thing too uh to, to piggyback off of that i know uh matt uh bearded matt uh you've mentioned that in 5e and we've done this we before um that you can in 5e just state i want to do non-lethal damage so even if they fought strahd and he hits you with a claw attack and he's a vampire uh spoiler alert just say when he hits you i feel you, like if you have to say spoiler alert that strahd is a vampire <laughs> at this point like come on yeah but <laughs> hey you never know uh yeah, but true. you know he, he might hit you with a claw attack that could immediately kill you like you said at level one you're, you're gonna die but like you say he he you know even though it's a claw attack he punches you he knocks you unconscious boom and then after the whole group's been right and as soon as everybody's knocked out you wake up four days later in a tavern being looked after by the local doctor like you said twist it into the narrative like that's right i mean i feel like i've heard so many stories where dms and gms are just like they didn't do it they didn't do it the way i wanted them to do it and now i'm mad and so they're dead down and it did that doesn't have to be the case you just got to be patient with your players your players want to do what they want to do and honestly i think that's the funnest thing like i've let players do things that i had no idea that i even wanted to happen but when i looked at them and i saw how much how happy they were into making that decision i went I can't say no to that face. <laughs> and so I let it happen and I, I dealt with the consequences. That's what you got to do. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. I did have a question. Uh, I'll let you go back. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why you're not writing a book. You're playing a tabletop role-playing game. So don't expect the characters to always do what you want them to do, because if they always did exactly everything that you want them to do, these would just be people helping you write a book at this point. Very, very true. Uh, what, was your, what was your question, Matt? Uh, Matt being, uh, we talked a lot about 5e here. It's just a few minutes. But Matt's got experience with so much more of this stuff. So I, I want to know, like, is there other ways to deal with NPCs when you move from one system to another, or is it largely the same? Uh, once again, it really depends on the system, uh, where there's some that deal with it exactly the same way as uh, D&D. There is others where I know... In 3.5, they've done this. They might have briefly talked about it in the DMG of 5e, but uh, there was a contact system that was uh, part of the optional rules. It might have been in the DMG or like an Unearthed Arcana or just one of the um, expansions for it to where uh, you, as you level up, you get so many contacts that you can introduce into the game that could do various things for you from having knowledge to helping you repair your armor and stuff like that. Uh, and it was just a very quick, easy way to one solve more like mundane problems where if you're doing a murder mystery, 
and everybody's failed on their roles, but the whole point of the game is, you know, who a who done it and if you never figure out who done it and it's session two that's a pretty lame campaign so uh you could just have a contact that's just like hey i know jimmy the beggar he's on the streets all the time maybe jimmy would have heard or seen something uh regarding the man in the red cloak or something like that okay I kind of done things like that uh, where like if you write wrote about somebody your backstory like i i don't make that person just invisible yeah like, like you wrote about them you put thought into that and put them in the game <laughs> yeah so, and, yo, so that's a cool that's a cool system yeah uh another thing that uh i know second edition probably was the one that introduced this and i think it's sort of talked about in 5e but i haven't really seen a whole lot of people uh use it is the um i think it might actually be in the dmg though but it's like in the way back where you get to the rules that everybody ignores um (laughs) the disposition chart when it comes to npcs where it's like friendly neutral unfriendly hostile there might have been another one above that to where especially with new players you can tell like you can show them the chart of new players and be like hey like this is where this person is at on the chart you guys are new that's why i'm showing you like if you talk and are nice to them they're going to be at the top of the chart which means they're your friends which means they're not going to betray you like you want to get people up here are you going to do that with every npc no are you going to continue to do that no but these are new people. They don't understand, once again, the whole weaving of mechanics into the narrative. That is very much so a mechanical thing that you can go off of. But maybe these new players don't know it's a mechanical thing. And you can show them and be like, hey, this is a mechanical thing in this game that I'm keeping track of. And until it gets to the very bottom, which is hostile, this person's not going to mess with you. That's so, good. I didn't yeah, know I, that. Yeah, I I think I've I've looked at that recently. I've I've only just uh, acquired my copy of the the DMG to where I can sit down and like read read fully. Yes, Welcome. thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I know uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else. If not, I'll kind of end it on this that I introduced uh, kind of a homebrew rule that I stole from the Dungeon Dudes. Shout out to you guys of I know a guy. So um, I, I thought it works kind of along the same line. It actually mixes a lot of what you both have said, where if they're in the middle of trying to solve the puzzle, the whodunit, especially, uh, which is a big part of the Dragon Heist campaign, you can just be like, I know a guy. And then we go through this real quick process um, that I, that I kind of, I use basically everything that they said of outlining, like, how do you know them? What was their disposition towards you? And as a DM, you know, if you're, if they're like, well, I don't know, I know me personally, I've started like, I'll roll a D 20, 10 plus, or like 11 plus you're cool. Uh, nine below. No, if it's a 10, I'll reroll, you know, just, and then that kind of is like, if it's a, if I roll a nat 20, it's like, man, you guys are BFFs. You guys are great. And of course, roll, yeah. Like if I roll a nat <laughs> one, it's like, he might, he or she might stab you 
when you get to them. So. The opposite of love. Or, or uh, we're not going down that route. <laughs> but um, that's another episode. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's a good, um, that's a good way to do it as well. Uh, I, ha- I wish uh, I'll find the link and we'll post it in the description, but that video, it's a little homebrew rule of theirs, but um, I really enjoy that one. We haven't gotten to use it yet, but it's, it's definitely there and it's nice because it helps you flesh out your world a little more um, and gives them that option of like, you, you know, we've said this whole time, if you want to talk to somebody cool, like if you want something, you're going to have to talk to somebody and here's how we can do it. I got a thing to add to this before we wrap it up. It would just simply be what's your guys' favorite NPC that you ever made? Ooh. (laughs) Matt, you go. You you, you probably got more, but I'm going to think about it. I got a good one. I'll wait. (laughs) Mine has been in multiple games. Maybe I'll go first. I already got one of mine. Mine has been in multiple games of mine. Um, And even games that are not connected <laughs> just because and and it's not even been in the story that like this guy is in every game like, what's going on is he some dimension traveler no he's just my favorite concept um and it's just a guy that collects lore uh his name's alistair and uh in in a lot of my games i like to have this character simply because this is a character that can bring knowledge to the world like like where's the exposition when you need it this is the guy he can like just give you what you need and uh in probably one of my biggest games that i've played that there is a lot of lore to it all like if you know this lore sometimes it makes traversing political situations a lot easier and this character has always been there with like the knowledge to help them out in some way or another it could be actually be him or it could be like a diary excerpt that he's written or something like that, but he's like always around. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I like that. That's a that's a cool way to, especially if you do have a campaign that spans like the same continent or region, but mm-hmm. years apart. A cool way to be like, uh, I know in Skyrim they have this one Khajiit, uh, Maik the liar, and he showed up in every Elder Scrolls game. We don't know if it's the same one or not, you know. That's cool. uh, yeah, but he's he's in every single one. So <laughs> in a similar fashion, like, that's a great way to tie your worlds together. We They don't have to be the same guy. Maybe they yeah. are. It's <laughs> kind of a mystery. Uh, Matt, do you have one? Uh, I can only remember back to the current campaign that I'm running because I mean, (laughs) I have a terrible memory and I don't even remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. (laughs) So, uh, probably, probably Zimbubi. I knew it was going to be Zimbubi. Yes. Because the way how the reason why he's my favorite is I tried to make very, I don't want to say dark but very a very serious tone when i run games but every now and then at least once throughout the campaign i just enjoy throwing a curveball at my players where something very serious will be happening and then they just meet the most light-hearted bubbly silly <laughs> over-the-top npc and without fail they always become like the shining beacon npc of that game 
that yeah. the players will go and search for that NPC, even though I just made it as like a one-off joke, like, hey, there's a dwarf selling shawarma from a cart, you know, along the road here. And I know in at least every single session since I introduced him, you one of you have either directly talked to him or had the intention of going to talk to him during a session. It's always me. It's always the fat kid. I love shawarma. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, right. Um, I, I bad shawarma. If I'm going to be honest, <laughs> really I'm a good. I'm a sinner. Uh, <laughs> I, I will yeah. say that I actually don't have an answer to this question uh, because I've only been... that's well, not true. Well, I mean, I've I've built off of ones that you guys have created. Uh, but I myself hasn't really met Patty because the only thing I've done this far, uh, thus far is, uh, actually, you know what? That's not true. I have one. I just popped go. into my head. The, uh, lady who ran the potion shop in Neverwinter at the start there you of the go. Campaigns. Uh, yes, great. Did it. Yes, I, 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 she, <laughs> she did. Um, that lady was totally made up because, this mat above me asked if there was a potion shop and i was like hmm yes because you're in a big city like i can't how there you is know. yeah <laughs> and uh i made her a gnome uh a gnome witch and i uh for anybody who's old enough to remember this reference uh there was this witch who was uh had a thing for bugs bunny we'll put it that way and she just had this really high pitched voice yeah. and she always giggled and laughed and I, that's who I made the lady who ran this potion shop. And it was, uh, as a new, as a new guy, it made me totally happy because that was, I didn't have a name for her. Like I had to stop mid game and I'm like, hold on and pull up like a name generator. And I was like, how do I describe her? And I'm looking up like Googling how do gnomes look because I want to give a pretty rough, accurate description. And I've, I've never played a gnome character. So like, in the span of two minutes, I'm like, this is what she looks like. And she talks like, and she's just all over the place. And I'm, I, I actually lost a piece of paper. So I forgot her name. Uh, <laughs> <Happens>. <laughs> Especially but, with those quick yeah. notes, you yeah. will forget people's names. But, uh, <laughs> write down people's names. If nothing else, write down people's names and the names of locations. Yes. That's well, all my uh, notes section <laughs> is. <laughs> well, that's the part I lost. So uh, yeah, she would, she's my favorite. Uh, she's also probably the first I made, um, but she was by, she's hilarious. And uh I don't think you guys are going to get, unfortunately, get to see her again in that particular campaign just because the way it's structured. But you never know. Yeah, we'll see. Well, that's that's a cool dynamic that we just talked about real quick. It's just like both me and Matt's characters uh, seem very. Uh, they were planned in some way. Mm-hmm. In some way, they were planned. And your favorite character was the ones that were unplanned, and so yeah. like that happens. That happens oh, yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, and that would definitely help uh, to, to bring this back full circle with NPCs. So, without having more context, it's hard to say, but maybe it, it could possibly be the way you're playing the NPCs. If uh, While it's hard for new DMs and new players, sometimes you have to do that voice acting. Um, my voice isn't super deep, but it's relatively... So for me to get really high pitched and excited and doing all the things, it made it more believable that this was a like just happy giddy gnome witch. And so sometimes you have to 
if you want them to get into role playing, you have to role play your, yourself, uh, as, you know, lead by example sort of thing. It is hard. I remember I mean, I've been yeah. DMing for the same people for about 10 years. <laughs> but yeah. that said, I remember way back when, when I would DM, um, you can also uh, take away if it's hard for you to like really come out and like do a voice, do an action, be like, I don't know, maybe the character's promiscuous. If, it, if you, that makes you uncomfortable to do that kind of thing. And then it's okay to take away the insight checks and just tell them, this is what you see in the character. This is how they look. This is how you feel when they talk to you. Because that, that even that description is enough. To, for the characters to maybe they want to role play and the, I mean the more you play with them the more comfortable you get yeah. and then you'll start making those insight checks because you get to talk promiscuous <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah that's that's a good point something yeah. else that's good if you're not so much a voice actor or like role playing to that degree you're just not comfortable with that yet or like you don't know these people very well so you don't want to do something extravagant and over the top to start off with. And, you know, like these new people think you're a weirdo or something like that (laughs) is it's okay. Especially when you're dipping your toes into it and hopefully you build it up more to simply just narrate what they're like and how they talk. You know, if you have a very monotone voice naturally, and it's hard for you to have that inflection in your voice, you can just say, this person sounds like a very kind old man. You can see, you know, the kindness in this person's eyes, or you can tell that this man has, you know, had a hard life by the way how he looks down and speaks at his drink when he's talking to you and stuff like that. So even just dropping narrative hints like that um is sometimes even a better way to communicate that than simply especially if we're online and you don't if you're very much so like me where if i'm in person my whole body is portraying a character so now when i'm in this little at least on my setup about two inch by three inch square i have a very small laptop that I'm working from, uh, it's very hard to incorporate that. So sometimes you just have to narrate because your voice can only convey so much about an imaginary character to them. Sometimes you just got to tell people stuff. Yeah. Um, But that that goes with a lot of things too. Sometimes they'll be searching for a clue forever. You just got to tell them. Yeah. Um, Sort of going full circle and sort of ending this is bringing it back to what will said session zero session zero i feel like every single question that we're ever going to do on this channel a session zero is going to also be included in the answer so i'll just say this right now where i'm probably always going to bring it up or at least one of us is going to bring it up um Session zeros are good for setting expectations and, you know, communicating to your players like, hey, this is what I'm setting up. This is the type of campaign and tone I'm going for. Like, what do you want? Are you cool with this? You know, sort of, you know, checks and balances when it comes to meeting everybody's expectations. 
stuff that you're okay with like graphically wise like maybe somebody doesn't want to really get fully explained about an axe hitting a goblin in the head like maybe you just leave it at that you don't go any more into detail Uh, but that's more general session zero stuff but the thing that a whole lot of people don't hit on is you don't just have to have a session zero it's okay to just have a quick Mm check-in with your players and basically go over the same thing ask the same questions that a session zero does even though you're five, 10, 15, six months into a session, just to make sure everybody's still having a good time and on the same page. So, yeah. yeah. And even wants to play the same kind of game that you've been doing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you guys want to change it into a detective game? <laughs> like, yeah. You yeah. can There's, switch it up. I know when I first started playing D&D, coming from a video game background, I thought. All I was going to want to do was the kick open the door, kill everything in a room, loot their bodies, move on. I can now say that was cool for about the first maybe five months at the most before I was like, okay, let's let's do something else. Why am I here? I want to talk to some people. I want to shop. I want to wheel and deal. You know, I want to do something other than just hitting people with my staff if i'm a wizard so people's preferences especially new players will change once they sort of get a little bit of everything at the buffet of tabletop role playing and different pillars of play exploration combat and social where at first i thought i was going to be all about combat now i'm definitely a lot more about social as you can tell by how i'm still rambling i love to talk so (laughs) Uh, we, we, yeah. And I think, um, I think maybe, you know, we'll definitely do a video at some point on our like session zero tips, things that, um, you know, kind of a general thing that we think everybody should do, but, you know, obviously things that we specifically think like, this is the one thing to me that is the most important, um, may not be that way for you, but, um, you know, that's what this channel is here for. We're here to give you guys advice and tips, answer your questions and, um, you know, that, that is a big thing. Some people don't even get into this and they, they don't even know what a session zero is. So um, it's definitely something that uh, we're going to cover here at some point in, in depth. Um, but our next video, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and it might be, we'll, we'll have to see, but uh, I think if you guys don't have anything else, I think we can, uh, we'll wrap this up for this evening. Uh, you guys have anything else you want to add? You guys no. didn't see this. We originally planned on doing three questions. Yeah, then it got too long. Matt talked yep. too much. <laughs> I talked too much. Sorry. We're only gonna be we're only ever going to do one question now. This is the pilot episode. Yep. So we're right. learning. <laughs> that's right. Well, and we'll uh, you know, some questions we may not have these this many answers. NPCs are a big part of every uh, GM's game, no matter yeah. what like you said, the systems may be different and how they handle the NPCs may be different, but they're always important. Um, mm-hmm. So this was kind of a big topic to start on, uh, but it's one we wanted to uh, to go over because it definitely shows the breadth of uh, experience that we all have. Obviously, I don't, I didn't have as much to add because I don't, I've not done a lot of NPCs, um, but these guys have. So uh, look forward to more questions like this. In one week, I might talk more because it's a subject matter that I'm you know, relatively, even though being new, I'm like, I know this. Um, and so 
bring your questions. We're going to continue to look through uh, the different subreddits and things like that. Um, and obviously your questions here that you guys leave on the channel because we want we want to make sure you guys feel super confident in these games because if you're confident, your players are confident, you guys are going to have a lot more fun. Oh, yes. So uh, with that being said, you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you guys were great. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed our very first video here on the channel. If so, uh, please like, comment, and subscribe for future content. I think we're aiming to do about one a week or, you know, to start. Um, and you know, we'll just, if you subscribe, you'll hit the bell. You guys will know when that pops up. Uh, and as I said, we look forward to answering your questions on next week's episode of game masters under dark. You guys have a great rest of your evening.